Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex and joining us once again via the medium of webcam, Skype specifically, is Rob. Hello, folks. I'm sorry, I think I might have just shouted that down the mic quite loudly. But um, this is episode 245 now. We're recording on the 12th of August, only a few days, Rob, before my birthday. Really? Yes, I was wearing that. I'm going... I thought of that, and um, I must admit, I I, I had thought about it, and then I forgot about it, and then I realised I might need to get you something for it. And uh, I mean, that does does obviously mean that we're going to have to meet up at some stage, which seems like a shame if this has been working so well. But uh, you can post you know, it as to me. Your birthday. I could do that, yeah, but uh, that's that's a lot of effort. Uh, well, maybe, Rob, but I'm going away, you see. So I'm going away for a week on the 16th of August, so on Thursday. That's when I'm off. Right. And this is why we're recording now, so there may be a bit of a delay until the next episode, listeners. I'm not sure. I mean, but by the time this goes up, we'll probably be midweek. And then listeners will have to wait maybe about seven, eight, nine days for another episode. We'll make it work. Of course. Now, where are you, where are you off to again? Uh, Crete. Very nice. It'd be yes. lovely. And Re- uh, what's the temperature at the moment? Uh, well, hot. 31 degrees. <laughs> 32 oh, I degrees. About the same as it's been in London then. Yeah, pretty much about the same. But the difference is being right near the sea. I'm hoping you'll get a nice cool breeze, you know? Sounds perfect. Well, think of me as uh, I don't. I mean, it's not raining at the moment, but uh, the rain has, has certainly come the last few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has. I mean, it's been a bit of a relief, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I know. I thought. I don't know if it's going to. still going to be the case. But the day we fly out, I noticed that it is raining. That day it is meant to rain, which is nice. You always want to be going on holiday when it's raining, because then you, you don't want to be going away when it's like thirty-five degrees. I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, Rob, Rob. Nobody really wants to hear about my holiday plans. What they want to hear about is this episode of Local Anesthetic. And I've got a feeling this is going to be a corker. The reason being, Rob, let's just let's just get it straight out of the way. We've been asking over different episodes for God knows how long now, probably about a year, a year, if anybody remembers a specific story that we read out on a podcast. Well, not if they remember it, if they knew what episode it was in, because we could never locate it. And it was a story we, we both remembered between us, didn't we? Our collective memory that it was about some guy who'd had some crush on some person that he'd met when he was like a teenager and he had a crush for like 20, 30 years and been trying to track her down or whatever else. And it was a story that made us laugh a lot of the time, but we couldn't remember it, where it was from. What episode? No. Well, I I had a few hours to spare the other day and thought, right, sod this. And I, look, this I think this is a big credit to me, Rob. I went through 89 episodes. Now, I did not listen to all of them. What I did was I skipped through. In my memory, what was amazing, Rob, is I... I knew that it was somewhere in the middle of that episode. That's all I knew from my memory, because I could remember recording it. It's somewhere in the middle, and it was one of your stories. I got to 88 episodes of skipping through key bits, listening out for the story, and had given up and thought, I don't know what's happened to this episode. And then I and I switched it. Or I, I, I closed down the webpage, and I thought, oh, let's just try one more. And that was episode 89, and I skipped through it, didn't hear anything. But as I was going through it, I suddenly heard the word... Uh, of the woman in question who was the crush Sylvia I think her name was I heard this name and I thought that was it and I went back and sure enough that was the bloody story and guess what listeners I'm going to I instead of Rob read it out four years ago it probably was I'm going to read it out this time and let's see how much you can remember of it let's just try and treat it like a fresh story because I have read it again and I understand now why we were tracking it down and I did listen to the original recording where we uh, Rob the only one thing that might kick your memory is that preceding you reading that story you started reading that story and we went off onto a long tangent about where the jumper you were wearing was from and it was from Primark and I had a very similar jumper also from Primark that was where the story came from and if anybody wants to know where the original episode uh, original episode is from the episode was the episode title came from a segment of the story and the episode title was A Vague Yet Dark Memory. I think it's episode 89. I could be wrong. Could be 86, could be 87, whatever it is. But it's 80-something and it was called A Vague Yet Dark Memory. Rob, I'm getting some clicking off your mic there. I'm not sure why. Oh, hang on. Let me, it might be the fact that it's, it's bouncing against the other earphone. Bear me one second. That should rectify the situation. Anyway, yeah. I'm amazed you found this, by the way. Yeah, I but, mean, it's a, a truly Herculean effort, I must I, admit. I, I couldn't live with it anymore, Rob. We needed to find it. It, it, it. In doing that, I also got the chance to, by going through so many episodes, I got the chance to hear some great old classics as well, some of which made me cry, Rob. With laughter, not not in despair. <laughs> Again, good to know. But Rob, um, just do you have any news? I was about to say, actually, we have a, a small bit of feedback from Steve after the last episode. Um, Steve from and Garvey. he's just saying, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he just said, uh, loving the Skype link episodes. None of the studio charisma is, is reduced. Mm. Which we had, which we had observed off air. Yeah, and all. But, I mean... uh, to me, my feeling is, is because I'm not having to endure your body odor, that I'm more relaxed and comfortable. Yeah, and also because I'm not in, in you know, having to endure your halitosis. I mean, it <laughs> makes for a more relaxing situation on my part as well. Yeah, all right. Okay. But I, was, was he being uh, was he being sarcastic when he put he said studio? I mean, he must know this is this is an amateur setup. Uh, no, I don't think he was being sarcastic, Rob. Can I just say I just did want to say because the listeners are probably all waiting for this story. I'm not going to read the story first out. I'm going to wait till the middle what? of the episode. In fact, I'm hoping that if I can get three stories in this episode, they will all be classics. Okay. But Rob, I've got to start us off with a Croydon Cat Killer update. Because oh, it's better than a Croydon Cat Killer update, Rob. Because what has fascinated us most about this story all the way along? Well, come on, Rob. What has fascinated us most? I mean, it has to be Snarl, isn't it? It's fucking Boudicca rising. Well, Rob, I've now got, I've got from The Guardian an inside... Uh, uh, <laughs> what? As in The Traitor's Guardian? Uh, the, the Traitor's Guardian. A proper... And where has it gone? Hang on a minute. Yes, I've got a profile on Snarl and the couple who run it. It's, this is in-depth, Rob. It's what you've always wanted. Okay. So you're you ready? Right. I can't deny this. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're settled. Here goes. Headline, it's by Simon Osborne, Wednesday the 8th of August. And I did text you, didn't I? So don't check, don't look at any Croydon yeah, Cat Killer. I haven't read anything. No, no, no. Headline, the Croydon Cat Killer hunt has lasted three grisly years. But is he man or myth? Well, Rob... I'm going to take you now down into this, into, in, into the mysterious, enigmatic world of Snarl. Right, here we go. Okay. Tony Jenkins takes a deep breath as he sits down with his large cappuccino in a South London cafe. He pulls out his phone and lays it on the table. It might go at any time, he says. If it's someone saying, I've just found my cat and its head is missing, or a vet, or a police saying someone who's brought, a vic- brought in a victim will basically jump in the car and go. God. Rob, I have to say, I haven't prop- I haven't read this. I want to say it for myself. I only read snippets. It confirms so much of what you speculated, by the way. Didn't we, didn't we speculate that their car was like a Ford Sierra or like a Ford Orion or something like this? A really battered old... Wait, wait. Yeah, like V-Reg Ford. Wait. Jenkins, who is 53 and wears a long grey ponytail, is Oh, half... my, no, he does. <laughs> he does. Of course he does. Yes, of course he does. Is one half of an unlikely crime-fighting duo. He and his partner, Boudicca Rising, are behind South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty, or SNARL, backed by the Metropolitan Police, the National Crime Agency, and the RSPCA, and animal rights group PETA. The couple have, the couple have led the investigation into the Croydon Cat Killer. They believe the man, who became known as the UK Cat Killer as his reign of terror spread, is responsible, Rob, for as many as 500 deaths. At the height of... The, Rob, what I love is, in years to come, like Jack the Ripper, this may be talked about in infamy. Infamy. And we were there at the beginning. We've been covering it since... We've been covering it since the first Croydon cat death. At the height of the scare, police and the NCA suggested that the suspect had dark sexual fantasies. The concern is that they will cease getting that gratification and escalate the attacks to humans, specifically vulnerable women and girls, said DS Andy Collins last November. We covered that story, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. The story tapped into dark public fears about how shadowy killers, a national obsession with cats and an appetite in newsrooms for headlines like Slaughter in Suburbia. But almost three years after the murders began, Rob, the killer is still at large. Apart from mutilated bodies and body parts, there is nothing to point to any individual. No CCTV footage, no clothing snagged on a garden fence or human DNA under a feline claw. No murder weapon. There are suggestions by experts fiercely contested by Snarl, that the prime suspect may itself have four legs and whiskers, i.e. the fox. Sceptics have made... Yeah. Can I just stop you there? Can I just say that human DNA, uh, human DNA under a feline claw is, is a fantastic episode title. Yes, it is, Rob. There may be many in there, but yes. Okay. We'll, we'll jot that one down. I love it. Rising, who is 47, that's Boudicca Rising, Rob, arrives late to the cafe in a whirlwind of red hair and pulls out her laptop. She demurs when I ask if Boudicca Rising is her real name. It's the only one you're getting while I run around after a psychopath, she says. Oh my God, what a, what a fantastic quote that is. Rob, I, could, I can really see an ITV drama on Sunday nights about this. Absolutely right. She works in data for a big company she prefers not to identify. Her boss allows her to work from home a lot. She's a cat person, Rising explains, grappling with a spreadsheet. 
Jenkins, who's from Merseyside, met South African-born Rising on Facebook in 2013. The divorcees happen to live close by each other, and between them they now have more than 30 cats, which I think is a, is a, is a welfare issue in and of itself. Sorry, we've, we, I'm sure we've covered this before, but every time that staggers me, 30 cats... They've been on this case for three years, right? Yeah. Well, four years. No, four years, I think we've said. And they are literally no further forward in trying to find out who this person is. Well, Rob, let's hear about them. At the heart of it all, Rob, were Jet Rising and Jenkins taking calls, driving to crime scenes in an old Ford Focus. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Seriously. <laughs> we've got to give that one to Rob. That's what you predicted. But you didn't predict this next bit, Rob. And storing bodies and heads in Jenkins' freezer. Alex, I'm lost for words. I'll read that again. At the heart heart of it all were Rising and Jenkins, taking calls, driving to crime scenes in an old Ford Focus and storing bodies and heads in Jenkins' freezer. So you're telling me they've got a house full of of cats and then in the freezer they've got a collection of severed animal limbs. Yeah. And they're they're not suspects in this investigation in the slightest. There's something deeply, deeply unhealthy about this. They say, our lives have become completely chaotic, Jenkins says, but it's the horror of what I'm seeing that keeps me going, the devastation it causes to families. Each time it happens, I try and turn that horror into anger. Andy Smith remembers the moment, Rob, four months ago that he found his cat Polly on a path near his Surrey home. Her head, if it had been there, was facing downhill, he says. Smith, 54, had rehomed Polly and Basil as kittens a year earlier. She had no head, sorry, she had no head, no left leg, and what looked like intestines coming out of her neck. I'd never oh, been God. so bereft. Smith suspected Polly had been struck by a lorry on a busy road to which the path leads before scavengers had swooped. He buried her in the garden. Six weeks later, Basil went missing. After a fruitless search, Smith got a horrible feeling about a connection. When he reported Basil's disappearance to police and described Polly's death, an officer arrived the same day. Same day. He said that from the description of the injuries, he was satisfied this was a cat killing, says Smith, a former radio journalist who now believes that the killer had come back for Basil. For sceptics, however, Rob, Smith's first instincts were more likely to be right. Stephen Harris, a recently retired professor of environmental sciences at the University of Bristol, has studied fox behaviour for 50 years. In an opinion piece in The New Scientist in May, he argued it it was to be expected that no killer had been caught because there is no killer. He recalled... (laughs) He recalled the dead cat panic of the 90s when he said the RSPCA sought his advice. The Operation Metropolitan Police launched Operation Obelisk in 1998 after dozens of cat deaths in Greater London. There are rumours of satanic rituals. A forensic psychologist pointed to violent or sexual abuse in the killer's childhood. But to the dismay of campaigners and amateur sleuths, the police dropped the case in 1999 after Harris inspected several cats. He, He concluded they had been killed by cars and mutilated by foxes. And he says, we have known for decades that foxes chew the head or tail of carcasses, including dead cats, Harris wrote this year. Rising and Jenkins, Rob, are furious about his intervention. They blame him for the initial scepticism of the police in the RSPCA in 2015. When resources are stretched, it's easier to blame foxes, they argue. Um, (laughs) Jenkins says, Rob, ready for this quote? I'm not a scientist. I've got an A-level in physics. But when vets with forensic experts say that ain't no fox that's just done that, they're closer to being experts than Harris, who's not a forensic pathologist, Jenkins adds. Snarl is concerned that the Met is losing focus, Rob. At one point, a team of 15 officers were on the case. Do you want to know how many people are on the case now, Rob? Fuck all. Two officers sharing one role. (laughs) (sighs) Alex, I I really think it's time to to, to draw this to a close. Not, Not just the story. I'm talking about the whole Quoting Cat Killer. I just think that maybe this is the resolution we've been looking for. At the South Nord Cafe, Jenkins' phone rings, Rob. A man in West London thinks he has CCTV footage of a car theft. Cat theft. Jenkins wants, Jenkins wants to see it. It may not be the cat killer, he tells the caller, later ruling it out. Later that day, he drives to Surrey to show Smith a head he thinks might be Polly's. It'd be found near the cat's home. But as the head defrosts in Smith's kitchen, it becomes clear that it belonged to another cat. Sorry, are you telling me he invited the owner around to see his decapitated cat's head defrosting in his kitchen? He drove to Surrey to show a man a head that he thought might belong to his cat. As it defrosted in the man's kitchen, it became clear that it belonged to another cat. 
Snarl scrapes by Rob on donations and rising salary, as well as the support of hundreds of volunteers, Rob. The couple say they're exhausted, but they're also expanding their investigative and surveillance skills. They prefer not to reveal how, lest they alert the killer, but their aim is to try and predict his movements and intercept him rather than respond to his act. So they're hoping that they can kind of like preempt a cat killing. We may never know if one or more killers exist or how many deaths they're responsible for. If there is one man out there stalking the gardens of England, what will Snarl do when it catches him? Well, Boudicca Rising says, Tony's job is to stop me killing him, basically. Go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, undoubtedly, that's the end of that story. <laughs> <laughs> so, after all, I mean, I know that with the length, length of the article, listeners, but look, we've been covering the Croydon Cat Killer now since it started. And I can't believe what it has been, about two years, hasn't it? No, four years. That's what you said. I'm sure it's been, it's been longer than that. It's been years. Since been September covered. 2015. Okay, maybe it just felt like longer. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know what to... Look, Rob, I, I, I'm genuinely on the fence about this. I don't know. But all I know is is that it, it, it seems incredible for one person to be doing all this and never to be caught on CCTV, no forensic evidence, never to leave any DNA behind. That, to me, either they're highly, highly trained and efficient killer or, yeah, yeah. It, it, or it is just that these cats have been killed by foxes and... Other things. Yes, it could be that. I mean, either way, it's a catastrophe. <laughs> well, an inappropriate pun there, Rob, but uh, thanks because that helps us segue all the same. You're welcome. Okay, Rob, you've got a story for us. Well, again, this seems to dovetail quite nicely into your story. I've got two, two um, animal-related stories that have uh, police involvement. Ah, it's one about so, seagulls. Um, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. I decided. I mean, we did obviously feature that story, which had loads of links to other stories about seagulls. But I thought, let, let's just give the seagulls a rest for this week. Yeah, I and agree. so we've got um, a, a pig and a squirrel. In the same story or separate stories? No, separate stories. You haven't got the story about the baby squirrel, have you? Oh God, yeah, in Germany. Yeah, but you could read it again. It's what the listeners have got to hear it because it is fantastic. I've actually saved it to read myself, so oh, you, okay. you can take so this one, buddy. Thank you. Well, the first one is actually from the mirror. Um, it's from the 10th of August by uh, Neil Murphy. Headline, man charged with walking pig without a lead on busy Orange Street. <laughs> Sorry, what do you mean? What? Sorry, uh, that, that, that headline implies it's normal to walk a pig on a lead. <laughs> Apparently so. I've never seen yeah, I somebody walk. I don't think pigs needed taking for walks. Well, if it's domesticated pig, it does. Right. Can't have around the house all the time. It's going to stink. Yeah. You know, the equipment, although not as bad as 30 cats. Um, a man has been arrested after he, he walked a pet pig along a busy night street. Right. Um, police were called to the scene on the Prince of Wales Road around 10 a.m. on Wednesday after reports of a man being abusive to members of the public. Sorry, this is, is this the man with the pig being abusive to members of the public? Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, so he's walking down the road with a pig, not on a lead. I just don't think that needs to be said. And he's being abusive to members of the public. Yeah, maybe because they're saying that pig should be on the lead. Are you telling him to fuck off? Hang on a minute. Isn't 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 slut a word for a pig? Female. What's that? What's the word that we have in our slang that that is actually comes from a reference to a pig? I don't know. This is this is uh, okay. I don't. What have I done? Swine? That's not swine. Pig. No, no, it's a, to do with a female pig. Uh, so I've, I've just, I've just... Oh, a sow, a sow. Yeah, like a sow's I, I thought I'm sure the why, why am I connecting? I've just put in slut pig into Google, and I really shouldn't have. <laughs> Actually, I told you about this. You urban dictionary so slut pig, urban dictionary pig slut, and urban dictionary pig whore are my top three <laughs> rates. I'm going to go off that page, Rob. Yeah, um, a wise choice. I've no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard the, the word slut in reference to a pig, apart from you know what, what you've just uh, looked up on the internet. There's, there's something about it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe you know something that you've seen yourself. Yeah. Um, upon arriving at the scene, officers found a pig uh, without a lead running around like a dog, which bit one of the officers. Um, officers hey, then arrested. Sorry, the sorry, man. What, sorry. What, what, what bit one of the officers? The pig. Pig. Yeah. Pigs can be aggressive. Okay. Where where is this again? Uh, Norwich. <laughs> this is common practice in Norwich, people. Right. 
That's that's why they say you must have a pig on it. If you're going to go out for your daily shopping, you know, you, ha- you have to have your pet pig on a lead. Right. Especially in Norwich. If you're taking it to the castle uh, to show it a good time, not yeah. by no, not, like that, not like that, to show it around the castle and, you know, maybe the cathedral. Um, officers then arrested the man for public order offences and having a dangerously out-of-control animal. Um, he was later charged under Section 155 of the Highways Act 1980 with having a pig untethered and loose on the public highway. Uh, is there an episode title there, Rob? Uh, probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, having a pig untethered and loose on the public highway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a classic. Um, the RSPCA has taken the pig away. Um, from, uh, it's taken the pig away from the man who will appear in court at a later date. One of the arresting officers, uh, Norfolk Police Sergeant Mark Shepherd, ironic, uh, wrote about the incident on Twitter, saying, "A man has been remanded in custody after committing a public order offence, having his dogs, dogs, eh? having his dogs danger out of control, and having oh, hang on, did he have a, where does it say anything about a dog? Where does it say that?" You sure you've read? You haven't read pig instead of dog, have you, Rob? No, I definitely read pig. You ever, Rob? It didn't say pug, did it? No, no, it, do, it does say pig. Sorry, <laughs> I do apologise. Sorry, um, officers found a pig without a lead, um, with a dog. So yeah, yeah apparently he was walking around Norwich in city centre with a pig and a dog. And it was the, the dog, dog that bit. Pig, it was pig, a, oh, that's what I thought. It is unusual for pigs to bite. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, having his dog stage out of control and having his pig, pig untethered on the Prince of Wales Road, hashtag, hashtag job like no other. <laughs> what a swine, Rob. Oh, very good. Well, no, mediocre. Uh, and then my second story, as you've already mentioned, is from the Traitorous Guardian. Um, it's uh, from Josie LeBlonde. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to open it myself. I've got it here. I mean, I found it quite touching, really. There was a bit in it that really made my Lovely. heart melt. Yeah, go on. Tell the listeners this story. I know which bit you're referring to as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, police in Germany rescue man. Can I just say Josie LeBlond? Jo- the, the journalist named Josie LeBlond does not sound like a real name. She does sound like, no, uh, very true. She sounds like she should be out of like um, a, a female punk band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, headline, police in Germany rescue man being chased by baby squirrel. Well, I'm looking forward to this because I, because I need to skim read it. So go on, hit me with it. German police have rescued a man after he called for help, saying a baby squirrel would not leave him alone. <laughs> Emergency services received a call on Thursday from a man who claimed he was being chased down the street by, by the tiny animal. Police in, now I think it's Kajrul, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, said the unnamed man called them in desperation after he was unable to shake off the small rodent. Uh, officer sent a police car to Just stop a second, just get this image. Yeah. A squirrel, baby squirrel, has latched onto him. It doesn't say where on his body, but latched onto him. He it doesn't, he, it doesn't say he's latched on. It just says he's been chased by it. it. Doesn't mean that you know the, the squirrel's oh, like right. running up his trouser leg. Okay, so he's been chased by a squirrel, and he, he he has tried so hard to get rid of this thing in vain that he has felt he has no choice but to call the police. Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Okay. Um. Officer sent a, p- a patrol car out to investigate and arrived to find the chase still in full flow. But the drama ended suddenly when the squirrel, apparently exhausted by ex- its exertions, lay down abruptly and fell asleep. Yeah, and there, there is a picture of it, isn't there? And it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's a really quite cute little red squirrel. Yeah. Uh, officers took pity on the animal, which had probably become separated from its mother. Police said it was likely targeting the man because it was in search of a new home. I mean, it's quite a sad that, story. That was the bit that touched me. Yeah, like yeah. this was—he was just an orphan, Rob, looking for looking for love, really. And yeah. he, this man Absolutely. was the uh, man he chose. I mean, ultimately, can we not all sympathise with this tiny squirrel? Well, yeah, we can. Only that I think that had the man adopted him and raised him as his own, that would have all been very well and good. But I think after two years, he would have woken up in the middle of the night to find a squirrel gnawing his brains out in his sleep. See, I was, I was curious. They look, Rob. They're vicious. Yeah, true. I thought you were about to make make a sort of a, a, a testicle. Uh, joke there. He, he would wake up one night and find the, the squirrel gnawing on his nuts. <laughs> or that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot like the man who stole the um. What was, uh, the, was it? The shark. He, he took the, the the shark from the aquarium, and we we we, we um. Sorry, my cat's in now. Um, and we spe- we speculated that he was going to raise it as as his own. Yep. Yeah. Do you that that, that, well, of course I remember. It was last week. If I didn't remember, that would be quite some quite some memory loss I'm suffering. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time, Al. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, 
it often happens that squirrels which have lost their uh, lost their mothers look for a replacement and then focus their efforts on one person said christina krentz see i didn't know that i didn't know that that's an amazing like fact to know that yeah i must admit that's not something i was ever aware of um uh, and then she went on to say um but the police on the scene, oh, sorry, um, she said um, animals could be very persistent, not just running behind someone, but entirely fixated on them. It could be pretty scary. The man didn't know what to do, and so he called the police. He was certainly feeling a bit threatened. <laughs> Rob, it would he, freak you out if you had a, if you had a squirrel fixated on you. And only yeah. you. Well, what would you yeah. do, Clover Clogs, apart from kick it to death? What would you do? He's not attacking him, is it? Yeah, what would you do, though? If everywhere you go, this is squirrel. He's waiting outside your front door. He's at your window. Alex, this is a baby squirrel who just wanted a new home. He, this man was not being attacked by I this squirrel. Because when, when animals suddenly act like that, it, it, it changes the dynamic, Rob. I think with this baby squirrel, I would have sat down, coaxed it into my hand, and then threw it in the sea. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That sounds good. Um, well, not good. Obviously, that's not the right word, but that seems like an appropriate course of action uh, for a psychopath. Uh, but police on the, the scene appeared more amused than alarmed. Uh, a squirrel will be on your, your new mascot. It'll be christened Carl Friedrich. The infamous German sense of humour there. Yeah, uh, said the police writer. The squirrel has fallen asleep in fright. Oh, so yeah, the squirrel was... So the police turned up. The squirrel thought it was going to be arrested and fell asleep in sheer terror. I think they should take it to snarl. No, they just put it in the fridge. That's not going to help anyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, Rob, so it is that time that I promised where I'm going to take us back, Rob, to the 11th of December 2013. That's when we covered this story. You covered it. I can't wait for this. And what's amazing is, Rob, this story that I, pro- that I have we managed to locate now, is that it does show you how unreliable memory is. Because you and me, a lot of the details we remembered about the story were correct, like as in the vague outline. But we both were convinced it had something to do with Australia, if you recall that the woman had moved to Australia. We were convinced of that. No, it was him. I, I, or I, him. I, I Either thought way. he moved away. Did, yeah. he, did he or did he not move, move away? I, I, we'll get to that, but there's nothing to do with Australia. But we were both convinced it was Australia, but it shows your memory is highly fallible. Yeah. Right, Rob, are you ready? And of course I will have to put the mushy music on under this as well. Rob. Of course you will, yeah, absolutely. So this is from the Swindon Advertiser from the 11th of December 2013. And feel free to analyse it as much as you want, Rob. I want you to pretend you're hearing it for the first time. Irishman, desperate to locate long-lost girlfriend from Swindon. The Irish bit was the bit that was important, Rob. Yeah. Here goes. They parted ways 40 years ago, but an Irishman who never forgot his first love is hoping to be reunited with the Swindon woman he always regretted leaving behind. George Ayres, 63, of County Meath, and Sylvia Holland had been neighbours in Walcott for several years before they began going out. It doesn't ever say what age they were, but I, I guess 40 years ago, if he's 63... OK, so he was 23 then. Yeah, uh, uh, mid-20s, I think that sounds about right, yeah. So they were neighbours, Rob, before okay. they started going out. She was a young pharmacy student, Rob. In a bid to get close to her... No, it says he was 19 years old, which which is their math hey? then is terrible. Yeah, apparently he was 19 years old. It makes no sense. Right, okay. In a bid to get close to the young pharmacy student, the bold 19-year-old wooed her sister, Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> who soon became aware of his ploy to seduce Sylvia. Oh, God. So that's the way to get close to somebody, isn't it, Rob? You, 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 you shag their sister. You hook up with her sister, and then over time, you know, you, you, you obviously try to push her away. Uh, by by certainly getting close to the sister, so, you know, saying things like she doesn't understand me, uh, whereas I think you do. Yeah, uh, all of that. I, I've tried it on with your mum, and she's not interested either. Rob, uh, do you fancy giving it a go? What's amazing to me about how manipulative and almost sociopathic that plan is is that if you follow it through to its logical conclusion, if it works, if your ploy works, that by getting close, by wooing her sister, yeah, and getting her to her feelings for you, and then eventually getting close to her. If you follow that plan through to its conclusion, all you're basically doing is ending... It's like he hasn't thought it through. Okay, so you end up going out with Sylvia, but breaking her sister's heart. Her sister's going to feel guilty. None of this is going to end well. 
And also, what I don't quite understand is how is how is that going to endear her to him? Well, it worked, Rob. That... Rob, it worked because the pair fell in love. Uh, she, so she's she's equally as as uh, well. I don't know. God knows what, but yeah. The pair fell in love, Rob, and after nearly but after nearly four years of being together, George grudgingly followed his parents when they chose to move back to Ireland in the early seventies, putting an okay. abrupt end to their fledgling romance. I wouldn't call a four-year relationship a fledgling romance. No, I, I mean, that, that's quite, you know, that's quite prolonged. <laughs> a year after his return to his homeland, Rob, Sylvia visited him for a brief holiday. This was the last time they ever saw each other. What upsets me, Rob, is they don't tell us what happened on that trip because why was it the last time? Do you know what I mean? I reckon she said... You see in my sister that time, Dorothy, and he says, Oh, I just shagged her, so you know, to get close to you. <laughs> no, but do you not think they would have had this this conversation beforehand? I mean, they've been together four years. Well, Surely all this is in the I reckon this is the first time he was honest about it. Anyway. I, I think it's more it's more about the fact that you know they've been together four years and then he fucks off with his parents. Yeah. And she was like, you, You've chosen your parents over me. Well, you know, you, you said you right. love me. He says he grudgingly followed his parents, but he's an adult by now. He doesn't have to go back. Yeah, you say he's 23 by this point. I mean, he can get himself a job. And this was Swindon in the 1970s. There oh, were jobs around. So the maths is correct then, because it was he was 23 the last time he saw her. So it is correct. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, he, he I mean, <laughs> begrudgingly, but if he loved this woman, he would just stay where he was. Yep. Right, Rob, his curtailed relationship soon became a vague yet dark memory. <laughs> so <that's laughs> Which is where the episode title came from. And I'd like to call this episode, I know we had some other ones, but I do think it would be good to call this episode a vaguer yet darker memory. I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, that's fine by me. His curtailed relationship soon became a vague yet dark memory as George buried himself in his printing job and started a new life near Dublin. I'd like to think that that, that was uh, literally and not metaphorically. But do you remember, Rob, what happened next? <laughs> didn't, he got married, didn't he? No, Rob. So think about it. His relationship has become a vague yet dark memory, so he's almost forgetting this love of his life. What, what happens next, Rob, that causes him to remember her again? Do you have any memory? No. Do you, do you he want doesn't to run into the sister. Does he run? Actually, hang on. Does he run into the mum or something? He runs, into, he runs into something, Rob, but it's not that. I'll tell you. But when George, Rob, slipped in the street and hit his head on the car wing mirror. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> he slipped course, in the street and hit his head on the car wing mirror, for which he had to, had to undergo brain surgery to reduce swelling on his brain. That's right, because we speculated how on earth did he manage to do that much damage by slipping and hit his head on a car wing mirror. Yeah, it brought the cherished moment spent with Sylvia flooding back. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got literally nothing. Despite the surgeon's prognosis that his memory would suffer rather than improve. So, hang on, so he... And so... <laughs> My concern is you know, he's lost part of his, his short-term memory, but all these these blessed memories of him and her and yeah, him and fictitious? her sister. Yeah, what well, they're, they're, they're not. They're clearly not, are they? No. What, what if? What, what if he? What, what, what I mean is, what if he doesn't remember? What, what if the problem is? Right. Look, what I'm saying is, look, he hit his head hit his head in the car wing mirror, which is unfortunate. He had to. He's saying he's misremembering these these happy occasions. He had to undergo brain surgery. The surgeon says your memory's going to suffer rather than improve, and he says all the cherished moments are spent with Sylvia flooding back. But what if he's blocked out the time she came to visit him in Ireland, and there was a very good reason why it ended? Maybe he doesn't yeah, remember that. Yeah, yeah. About three years ago, I had an accident, he said. The surgeon said I'd lose my memory, but after six months, I started remembering things. I remembered Sylvia's features. I'm not sure why we... <laughs> her features, Rob, yeah. Not, 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 her, not her, her, her beautiful... Personality. Uh, face, yeah, or, or her, her personality. Just she had lovely tits. <laughs> he says, Rob, I'm not sure why we broke up. That, that's worrying. That means you yeah. might not remember. I've regretted yeah. not being with her my whole life. It's only when the memories came back that I realised how much. I was a little bit older than Sylvia. She was 19, I was 20 or 21 years old. We'd been together for three or four years when I went back to Ireland. I didn't want to go, I was reluctant to leave her. When she came for three weeks, I was struggling financially and couldn't go back to Swindon. I can imagine that argument for both. He had no money, didn't want to go back to Swindon. That's probably how it petered out, Rob. I, I wanted... mean, to be fair, I, I understand that. I mean, I, I, you know... If I can avoid it, I, I never want to go back to Swindon either. But he says, Robbie wanted to do well in life before he went back to Swindon. So his plan was, right out in Ireland, a notorious place of wealth creation, Rob. Yeah. 
That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> and go yeah. back to Swindon. I never really got over her. Although George received brief updates on Sylvia from her mother, who religiously sent him a Christmas card every year, he was not able to gather much about her new life. Want to comment on is that, it, Rob? Is that how creepy? Yeah. I mean, the fact he kept in contact... If, also, if he kept in contact with her, with her mother, then why all these memories come flooding back, especially if she was keeping you up to date every single fucking year? That's a good I don't point. understand. But it does sound like the mum was... was was off her own back sending him a Christmas card every year and updating. Yeah. And, we, and I find that that behaviour f- weird for the mum. But Rob, the festive note stopped abruptly three years ago and George found himself becoming even more curious about his first love. He even placed an advert, Rob, in the advert announcement section in a bid to reconnect. That's right, yeah. I remember she would that. be 61 now, he said. I just want a chance to get in touch with her. So he remembers Sylvia when she was 19, Rob. He says, Rob, I'd love to talk to her and know what happened to her. She probably got married and maybe had children. All I know is that her mother... And then it finishes. All I know is that her mother wrote to me that all her dreams had come true. (laughs) So would you please leave us alone? Yeah, Rob, that's what that means, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, undoubtedly that's what it means. That is what that means. Well, let's go. There were only a few comments, unfortunately, on this story. Can Uh, I suggest, by the way, that maybe, just maybe... The mother was only being polite and he was the one sending the Christmas card and she just felt obliged to respond to him. Yeah, I, I, I think absolutely. Rob, I don't know if you remember these comments because the first was from Umpka who says, Sylvia married Anthony Lowe in 1979 according to Jeans oh, Reunited. I wouldn't be very pleased if one of my wife's exes came out of the woodwork and wanted to catch up and I expect Mr Lowe would feel the same. I hope it all turns out happily. Big Barry says, weirdo, surprised that Adver even printed this. <laughs> Yeah, remember that. Um, Oik1 says, All I know is that her mother wrote to me saying that all her dreams came true. And Oik1 says, And that being the case, the best thing you could do is get on with your own life because if the above doesn't speak volumes, then you're clearly missing the point of the message given. One oddly, <laughs> dist- one oddly disturbing story to run in a local paper. <laughs> so, Rob, um, yeah, this is a story from the mirror. It won't take long. But I, when I thought, I thought, I've got to, Rob will love this. Woman claims she's in serious and sexual relationship with ghosts she met in Australia. And they want kids, Rob. Okay. Um, yeah, now, now, I will love this. this. This story is from, by Zoe Forsey, and it was from the 7th of August. A woman who claims she has sex with ghosts has now revealed she's in a serious and sexual relationship with one, and they've even discussed having children. Her name is um, Ameth- is it Amethyst. What's that stone called? Amethyst. Amethyst, thank you. Amethyst Realm is her name, which sounds like a porn name. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not her birth name. Yeah. Hit the headlines last year when she revealed she slept with 15 ghosts since breaking up with her fiancé 12 years ago. But now also, that didn't happen. she's decided to take things to the next level and is in a pretty serious relationship with a ghost she met in Australia, Rob. The ghost, who Amethyst can't see but believes she can communicate and have sex with. It's very similar to a story we had before about that woman with the pirate ghost, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although at least she was slightly less delusional, only going to marry him and not apparently having children with him. Well, uh, Speaking to Australian website New Idea, she said, One day while I was walking through the bush, enjoying nature, uh, I suddenly felt this incredible energy. I knew a new lover had arrived. She said it's pretty serious. In fact, we've been thinking about having a ghost baby. Yes. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been looking into it and I don't think it's totally out of the question. No, it, it absolutely is. Well, what's really disturbing... How would that work? Well, Rob, what's really disturbing... Have you ever heard of a phantom pregnancy, which is where a woman gets yes. pregnant? Right. That's a horrific yeah. experience for a woman to go through. She says that she believes phantom pregnancies are actually ghost babies and says they don't go to term because the human body and mind can't process them. Alex, this woman is seriously mentally ill. Last year, she appeared on This Morning to talk about the fact that she left her fiancé after he caught her having an affair with the spirit. <laughs> right. How do you catch what, somebody sleeping with a ghost? At what stage did, did This Morning... I mean, This Morning's never been great, to be honest, but at what stage did they start to legitimise these kind of people? <laughs> well, she left viewers baffled as she claimed to have had sex with 15 different ghost lovers and a shocked Philip Schofield told her, I could imagine you've got quite a name for yourself in the spirit world. Good old Phil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taking advantage of the mentally ill. He asked her earlier. 
He had asked her earlier when she had her first sexual encounter with a ghost. She said it was about 12 years ago now. I was living with my fiancé and he was working away a lot. I started to feel a presence. She said that one night she decided to dress in sexy lingerie and hang around in the spare room, as you do, where she'd felt the ghost presence the most. Oh, sorry. <laughs> dress in sexy lingerie and hang around in the spare room? Yeah, why? Because, that, why? If because that's what, where she'd felt the presence. No, she did it because she'd felt the ghost's presence there. So she was trying to entice him. Ghost? You could be in any room in the house. She said she waited a while before anything happened and feared she put the ghost off by coming on too strong. You know, maybe he didn't like the lingerie, Rob, you know. Yeah. But she claims that just before falling asleep, the ghost turned up and they had sex. She says that she's gone off men completely and has had sexual relationships with 14 ghosts. Holly Willoughby, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, Asked if she'll feel that way forever or maybe she'll want children one day. But Amethia said she believes she can get pregnant by having sex with a ghost. And that's where the story abruptly ends. <laughs> I mean, good luck to her. Do you know what? I'm not going to say anything else. Good luck to her. If she thinks that, that's absolutely fine. People you know, uh, 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 can believe in whatever they want, even if they're, they're obviously quite clearly mentally ill. Yeah, well, actually, I was surprised because the, the comments in the mirror were very compassionate. They felt that she was being totally exploited by the media, clearly mentally ill. Um, although Boo Boo does choose to bring down the tone, Boo Boo 11, who just finishes by saying, the ghosts have clearly put the willies up her. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. Yeah. OK, Rob, I believe it is now time for our listener story of the week. Yes, it is. And it's from uh, it's from Craig from Newport. Craig. Now, I, I hope I hope it isn't a story that I read because I was reading. For some reason, I was looking at the Wales online and I saw a story I thought of saving. And I can't remember if I did or I didn't. And I wonder if it is. And I thought Craig would have spotted this. Let's see. OK, so. um I mean, the, 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 I'm guessing it's a Welsh name because the story is by, excuse me, uh, it's Estelle Farrell Roig, I think it's pronounced. I'm sure Craig's laughing the, at your pronunciation as we speak, Rob. Yeah, well, they should have a better language. Um, sorry, all our native Welsh speakers out there. I'm not sure how many there are of you, but probably not many. Um, it's from the 24th of July, 2018, and it's a lovely little story. Uh, the headline is Sex on the High Street. The dying art of running an adult shop in the internet age. No, I did not see this, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, right. So when Paul Morgan saw a job, a retail job advertised in the paper, he paid little attention to the fact applicants had to be 18 years old. The requirement was for licensing purposes. He assumed maybe it was because they sold sexual lingerie, which is maybe where that would be. But there could be loads of reasons why you have to be 18 or over to work there. Yeah, but I'm mean, sure if I saw a job advert that said you need to be 18 over, I wouldn't think it was a sex shop. It could be a pub. It could be anything. It could have liquor on the premises. Yeah, true. So to be greeted at the door of the store by an eight-inch phallic sex toy was somewhat of a surprise for the shy <laughs> job applicant. <laughs> Three years later, though, Paul runs the Swansea's private shop. Does he now? Oh, God. There is something very depressing. I mean, the idea of working somewhere like that, I don't know. There are lots of jobs that, that give me that feeling like that this would make me feel like, is this really my life? Do you know what I mean? And it isn't yeah. like stacking shelves at Tesco wouldn't be one of them. I think a lot of these jobs, are, I hate people who disparage those kind of jobs. People need to do them. People are out there doing them. They're, you know, we always assume these kind of things are easy. But I'm talking about that kind of job where you feel like, am I really contributing anything? Me. <laughs> I mean, you're making very disparaging comments about this guy. He seems like he actually has a love for the sex shop. Okay. Because I've got an image of the man from Creme Brulee from League of Gentlemen. Uh, is there a picture of him, actually? That's a good point. Um, no, there isn't. There's right. no picture. Although <laughs> there's pictures of inside the shop, which is why it's got, it's got like a parental warning at the beginning of the article. What's uh, the headline, Rob? Uh, the headline is uh, Sex on the High Street, the dying art of running an adult shop in the internet age. Wales Online. Because it'd be good for me to see, in, you know, so I can also... Oh, here we go, I got it. So I can yeah. also see... <laughs> okay, straight away I'm confronted with uh, what looks like a paddle. Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, if you look at the first the first picture, there's, um, I mean, quite a, a, quite a, a large um, uh, 
dildo is a word, I suppose, or a vibrator, possibly. Um, I mean, it just looks like something out of the fucking 1990s. Do you know what I mean? All those cheap yeah, packets. Yeah, of course it does. But that's the whole point. He's, he's trying to stand up for the good old British sex shop. You know, this is why we left fucking Europe, so we could get our good old British sex shops back, full of good old British dildos. Yeah, yeah I think you're right, Rob. It's a tough job in the internet age where people can purchase just about anything that satisfies their particular quirks online without the embarrassment of human interaction. <laughs> I tell people I work in a sex shop. It's just a job for me, Paul says. I've never been particularly bothered about what other people think of me. It's just a job for you. You run it. Yeah, but it's just a job. It's just, you, you know, it's just uh, a retail you've job. You've shown that much ambition to be the manager of the shop. It's not just a job for you. You clearly are invested I mean, in it. You say ambition. I mean, how difficult is it to run a sex shop? I mean, how many customers do you get a week? About five? <laughs> yeah, we are. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But yeah. It was a bit of a laugh when my friends. Uh, it was a bit of a laugh when my friends found out when I first started. He said, "When I first started, I didn't know where to look, but now it's just like wallpaper to me. Uh, I have stopped noticing them in brackets, the naked bodies. It's always funny to watch people's reactions when they first come in. At first, they're always a bit surprised. There's the old stereotype that it's mainly old men, but we get all sorts of people. Some people still find it embarrassing to come in and they pretend they're not here. How do you do um, that, Rob?" What? How do you pretend you're <laughs> so not, not here? To try and blend in with the, uh, uh, you know... The, well, I think the, they get the people coming in wearing, like, a, a costume that looks like a tree. Do you think... <laughs> no, but you, surely you need something that really blends in, so you don't know, like a, a shelf. Or a wall. Like a, a magazine. A wall. Or just, you know, dress like a massive dick. I don't get that. <laughs> that's good, Rob. Possible. It's possible. Lots of people out there dress like massive dicks, so that, that's good. That's true. Um, Mr. Morgan, who is the, uh, the store manager of the Dwellin Street shop, says most popular items he sells are still DVDs, despite the bottomless pit of porn available online. Who the fuck is yeah. buying porn DVDs and for what purpose? Well, let's face it. It's people who can't access the internet. Oh, I assume. I don't know. I assume that's the case. Right. Um, magazines also still sell well in the digital age. That's amazing um, me. And the Fifty Shades phenomenon boosted uh, business with a spike in the demand for bondage, discipline, dominance and submission, or BDSM for those not in the know. But times remain tough. Most of my customers are men. I would say about 75%. Most of the men go for DVDs. But they're also the ones that are being sent by the wives to get sex toys. God, I mean, that's quite demeaning, isn't it? I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, we need to address this. You need to go down to the sex shop because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not tolerating this any longer. I'm surprised that it was 75%, he reckons, that are men. I would have thought that that number would be higher. Yeah, I was think significantly higher, yeah. Um, women mainly get the toys. They're probably one of the cheapest places in the area for toys. Of all the sex toys, the most popular is a rabbit, a sex toy for women, which has two vibrating parts for double stimulation. There's a demand for, vo uh, for herbal Viagra as well. Um, with around five to six buyers per week. He said that most people think the store is going to be dark and dingy. Sorry, five to six buyers a week? Yes. <laughs> In any other industry, that would run you out of business. Well, yeah, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he has to make one solid profit a week. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, not that I'm, I'm in the know, but like a rampant rabbit, I would think it was probably about 30, 40 quid. So, you know, that, that'll keep the lights on for a week or so. Yeah, yeah. Um... He says um, he doesn't see many people in their 20s or early 30s coming in. The biggest change was going from VHS to DVD, which they did in 2016. <laughs> they didn't do that. <laughs> I really thought you were serious there. Technology is a problem. Customers have asked about the robotic sex dolls, but the huge cost is something uh, he would probably stock. Oh, yeah. OK, right. OK. It's good to know. But sex, sex still sells. Can I just say, Rob, these people, there, are a lot, there are people now who are buying these things from America or the East like the proper, very sort of hyper-realistic, they're not even the robotic ones, I'm just talking about the very realistic dolls, right? Yeah. And they yeah, live yeah. and they live with them. You know, I've seen them on TV and stuff, and they dress them up every day, and that is their relationship. There has to come a point down the line of that where you're sitting one day over the breakfast table from this doll, and you just you just realise what your life has become. Yeah, you realise, actually, this is this is probably the, my, you know, this is the lowest point my life can get to. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you if you've been like spoon food you know, spoon feeding a cereal, it's just you know coming out of her mouth, dribbling onto her, her breasts and so on. You talk about cereal, yeah? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, cereal, okay, yeah. yeah, milk, 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 and sticky milk. Um, 
can I just point out, by the way, some of the, the, the magazines in this article, which they've taken a picture of, are fantastic. So some of the magazines... Oh, hang on, I saw it. Yeah, they, they, look, like from the, they look like they were from the 70s. They look like the kind of magazine that you'd make up. They, yeah. I, I, I can't... Got, okay, really okay, Ron, can we go... Can I, I'll, let's go alternate. I'll start with the left one. Sissies on okay. Parade. Manhood. No, no, it's not manhood, Rob. Oh, yeah, right, oh, yeah. Underneath that is manpower with what looks like Steve Jobs' uh, fur cut 1980s in a pair of shorts. It's not him. I it does, be, doesn't it? I want to be very clear it is not him. Yeah. Then we've got uh, Hidden World. Uh, then underneath that, we've got Enslaved, which is personally my favourite with that cover. And then we can't see the last one. Yeah, it's girl something, XXX lipstick. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, And then just below that, you've got a bondage chair, inflatable bondage chair. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next to uh, what looks like a, I was pressing, I thought it was a gimp mask, but no, it was just a, it's just a blindfold. What a cracking story. Thank you, Craig. uh... Yeah, thank you, Craig. Yeah. Um, as per usual, always sends us quality stories every time, Craig. Always can be relied upon. Thank you so much. And we thank all of our listeners. for. If you have submitted a story, we haven't submitted it this week. It doesn't mean we've just ignored you. Um, we have too many stories that we can feature, basically, and we do save them up to do... We need to do another episode, don't we, Rob? Have we got quite I a backlog? We, do. we have, and I have to say there's one particular fantastic story from um, Face of Strange. It's quite long, though, but it's about a, a tiger that got loose in the... No, it's a lion that got loose in the sewers of Birmingham. Oh, okay. We yeah, yeah. We need to dissect that. Um, but Rob, we need to leave this episode of local anaesthetic. We need to leave it behind, Rob, as we move ever more forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation um, to our next episode, which will be episode two hundred and forty-six. I think two hundred twenty-six yep. or two hundred forty-six. Yeah. No. Two, yeah, two four six. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, two four six. As we move ever more forward, Rob, like, um, like. Well, a man being chased through a public park by a tiny squirrel and uh, uh, before the squirrel decides that it's tired and then has a quick nap. Just like that. Just the police turn up. Just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode, which, as I say, will be episode 246. And we can be found on our website, which is, I mean, do visit the website because every episode is on there. I mean, I visited it recently to go through 88 episodes or whatever it was. It's lapodcast.net. There is a donate button on that page if you want to donate to the worthy cause that is this podcast. All your contributions help because obviously we do this completely for free. Um, and that just helps us cover the cost if you do donate something. Um, and our listeners have been generous in the past and I'm sure we'll continue to be generous in the future. And we appreciate every donation. Um, Leave us a review on your Apple device on the, uh, you know, if you download the uh, podcast from there, every review helps us. We're on YouTube. If you search on YouTube for lapodcast.net, there's a few videos there that we made over the years just covering some kind of classic stories. Uh, We are on Twitter at at lapodcast. You still tweet on that, don't you, Rob? Yeah. yeah. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. A lot of people visit there and you can post a story on there if you want to. Because, yes, if you do want to send us a story... You can either post it on Facebook, tweet it to us, or do it the good old-fashioned way and just send it to our inbox at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's lapodcast.net at gmail.com. And so, Rob, the next time we record, I will be back, God willing, from my holiday in one piece, Um, you know, maybe with a bit of colour in my cheeks, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, and there'll be another episode soon. So there will be a little bit of a break, listeners, because I am going away, but it's only for a week, and then you will have another fix of local anaesthetic. Anything you want to say, Rob, before we go? No, just have a lovely holiday, have a lovely birthday, oh, and yeah, I'll cheers, see mate. you... Uh, yeah, you're very welcome. And uh, thank you to the listeners for listening, as always. God bless. I was hoping that you would want to um, echo that sentiment, Rob. Yes. <laughs> Rob is also very grateful for all the listeners out there. God bless. And keep it local. Thank <laughs> you.